First off, before we get to this Niners-Cowboys preview, we'd like to welcome our good friend Vishal Vassan onto the podcast. He is a man of culture from Bentonville, Arkansas, and for some reason, a lot of Arkansas people love their Cowboys. So we're going to get his thoughts on this huge matchup in the divisional round. So for me, this is going to come down to two main factors, right? We know both of these defenses are elite, top-tier defenses in the NFL. We also know that both of their QBs have different concerns for different reasons, right? With the Niners, you have a guy in Brock Purdy who, you know, he hasn't really played that many games still. Like, he's had a great run. He's had an amazing touchdown-interception ratio. He's enabled his receivers to make plays, you know, stretches out plays the way that we haven't seen Jimmy Garoppolo really do in his time with the Niners. And then on the other side, you have a guy in Dak Prescott who, you know, he's put up huge regular season numbers before, um we know he's like on the cusp of being in that elite tier of quarterbacks but whether it's through injuries or not delivering in the biggest moments and the timeliest of you know situations in the playoffs there's always that one nagging concern with Dak that prevents him from getting to that tier so Vishal I'm going to start by asking you besides these two and if you want to touch on them go for it what do you think is the key to this matchup yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, before I get into that, just want to say thanks, guys, for having me on. I think, uh, you know, you guys know that Cowboys fans can be quite, uh, you know, in, in their feelings and, and uh, you know, a little bit uh, overrate their team a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'll try to be as unbiased as possible. Um, but yeah, so I think, uh, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, uh, Shri, I guess I'll call you Shri for the uh, the course of this podcast um so it could be a Dak versus brady or Dak versus purdy sorry matchup here that you look at but i think like you said purdy has not played enough and in my opinion he doesn't need to do as much for the niners to be good for them to win games and as a result i think I wouldn't really look at look at it from that lens. You can look at so many other matchups here. You can look at defense versus defense. You could look at CD Lamb versus the Niners secondary. You know, I think the Niners secondary is obviously really good, but there's some, you know, elements of it that you saw, even though they uh, destroyed the Seahawks last week. I think DK Metcalf really exposed some of the weaknesses in the Niners secondary. The Niners. You know, they obviously have a really good defensive line secondary. You got Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, these guys. Um, but I think if Dallas can try to mix in a decent amount of short passes, quick throws, along with, you know, uh, Ezekiel Elliott just runs up the middle. Tony Pollard runs to the outside, you know, maybe mix in some screen passes. I haven't seen that that much this season. But if you look at some of the tape from Zeke's rookie season and just Tony Pollard in years past, uh, Dallas has a pretty good screen game if they want to run it. And, you know, that's a little bit of me just kind of being uh, optimistic and thinking that they're, you know, saving some of that ammo for the playoffs for these kinds of games. Um, is that true? Will it happen? We'll see. But I think in general, there's so many different storylines to pick from in this game. 
some people that you know I've seen online are saying this is going to be a defensive battle. It could be a similar to last season, the playoffs. I think 23-17 was the score of that game. It could be something like that. Um, I do think that both offenses are better right now than they were last season for SF, you know, primarily because they got CMC. Purdy, I think, gives them an added element that Jimmy does not give them just, you know, in the fact that he's mobile. Um, and I think Dallas, even though last season they were the number one offense uh, you know, going into the playoffs, they did kind of fall off at the end of the season uh, in going into the playoffs. You could argue that maybe that was the case this season as well, just with how they finished the regular season. But I'm hoping that last week put some of that to rest. Uh, and, you know, they still have that firepower. Dak is still capable of really being really good if he wants. But I would say the uh, a couple of the matchups to watch, Micah Parsons versus the Niners O-line, and subsequently Nick Bosa versus the Cowboys offensive line. Uh, you saw Jason Peters get hurt really early last week. Um, we were concerned whether that would affect kind of the the rhythm of the game, but Connor McGovern came in and, uh, you know, he started most of the season, so it didn't look like Dallas really missed a beat. But obviously they didn't play Nick Bosa last week, so we'll see what happens. So I think both of those matchups are something to watch. And then just Dallas has not had the most success containing the run uh, this season. Um SF, what do they do the best? They have CMC, they have Debo, they have these guys, and they have Shanahan just being very creative. It's not just eye formation handoffs that they're doing. You know, they get the ball to these guys all kinds of ways. So I think, uh, you know, like I said, so many different matchups. Uh, that's why this matchup is, I think, just so intriguing and, and why I'm quite anxious about it. There's so many things that could go right or could go wrong for both teams. So I would highlight, you know, the star defensive ends versus the O-lines as a key thing to look at. And then Dak and CD against the 49ers secondary, as well as uh, the 49ers run game versus the Dallas D-line and, and linebackers. I think those are the biggest things I'll be watching more so than just Dak versus uh, Brock Purdy. Oh, that, those are all really good points. And I think you touched on this, like besides... I think just besides, you know, the big name players, like it's going to be about the trenches that really determine how this game ends up turning out. Right. And Ani, like, I know, like you love talking about these O-line, D-line plays, so go for it. Yeah, I think the the really big thing that is going to make an impact and kind of make or break this Dallas team and their path to victory is how they're going to adapt to the 49ers usage of 21 personnel. Um, you know, a lot of talk has been talked this week from analysts about 21 personnel. Basically, when you have, you know, a tight end and two running backs and, and two wide receivers on. But because of the personnel that the Niners have, they're able to put, you know, George Kittle as their tight end. One of the running backs is Kyle Juszczyk, who's basically a, a kind of a tight end, but can also be a running back. You have CMC, who's, you know, the most versatile running back maybe in all of NFL history. He's better at catching than most wide receivers on some teams are, right? And then you have Debo Samuel, who's, again, one of the most versatile wide receivers in NFL history in terms of he can run equally as well as he can, you know, catch the ball, right? And the only kind of non versatile player you have is Ayuk but again like you don't need five versatile players four is good enough it's more than most teams have they're able to run crazy formations and you never know whether they're going to run or pass the ball and I think the Dallas defense and Dan Quinn are, are going to have their hands full you know they're going to line up in 21 personnel a lot especially on second down and you know they they can break it off for like eight to ten yards with you know Kittle and Juszczyk as their lead blockers with McCaffrey or Samuel running, and then they can also throw it to McCaffrey or Samuel or Ayuk. It's just like the possibilities are endless, and we know Shanahan and his scheme 
are you know, what makes him one of the great offensive play callers in this league. So I think really how Dallas adapts their 21 personnel, are they going to stay in base? You know, are they going to are they have nickel? Like, what are they going to do? Because they can both run and pass out of 21 personnel, the Niners would be very dangerous coming out of that formation. And I think, you know, how Dallas responds to that, especially the first quarter, is going to set the tempo for the rest of the game. Because if they're able to stop that and they're able to be physical up front, right, then they can basically prevent the Niners from running all over them. Right, and then they can kind of make the game more of their speed. The Niners are able to willy-nilly do whatever they want, and especially use formation to their advantage and use the personnel they have to their advantage. Then it's going to be a long day for Dallas. Right, they're going to have no idea if it's a run play or a pass play that's coming, and you know it's going to be difficult. And I think that this, the second thing is the the Niners' pass defense over the past few weeks has been pretty bad. They've given up some really big plays, and I think in general Dak really needs to exploit that. And I think you know. Dak showed in you know this past game that he still has it, and I think as long as the pass protection holds up, and as long as Connor McGovern can do his job against Nick Bosa, you know, as long as the pass protection holds up, I think it'll actually be a really high-scoring game. The line right now is a Niners minus four. I think it started off as minus three and a half, went up to like I think mi- minus five or six at one point. That was back down to minus four. I think it's honestly a good line. I think it's going to be a close game um, if Dallas is able to stop the run. Right, and if Dallas is able to really contain what the Niners and Shanahan have planned, it's going to be a really evenly matched game, and I think it's all going to depend. At the end of the day, the Niners might have a lead, and it's going to be a Dak whether he can, you know, take them down the field and win it, and it's also going to be whether Mar can make a field goal or not. And now it's kind of in question, but apparently he made six of six today in practice with windy conditions, so that's good for good for the Cowboys. But yeah, let's see what it's going to be like. Very curious to see how this game is going to turn out. I think this is honestly. One of the more intriguing matchups because it could go either way, and you know, according to the lines, it's a, it's a really close line. You know, I think this and Bengals Bills two really close matchups. Yeah, you touched on the the secondary for the Niners and how they've been kind of getting torched. I think it's one one of the biggest drop offs, at least in terms of like the first half to the second half of the season, has been the play of safety Talanoa Hufunga. And recently, he was named you know first team All Pro and. I think a lot of that has to do with how he played in the first like nine, ten weeks of the season. But he's been having a really bad habit of, you know, spying too much at the line of scrimmage. Like he's focusing way too much on what's happening right when the ball is snapped directly at the, you know, the center of play. But he's been getting beat on a lot of these, you know, like 15, 20 yard chunk plays. And he hasn't been as adept at covering some of the holes in the secondary as, you know, a first team all pro safety should be. Like those we, deep crossing routes, especially, you know, I mm-hmm. think are where he's been a big weakness in the past six to seven weeks. And I was honestly surprised that he was voted first team all pro, given how sharp his drop off was the past, you know, few weeks. And the fact that Derwin James wasn't first team all pro, but I don't want, you know, let's, let's <laughs> not go there. Let's, let's not talk about the Chargers, right? I know I don't, that's painful for you. And I think it was painful for me. I sympathize with them. But Michelle, I wanted to ask you. Said the Cowboys defense has dropped off towards the end of the regular season, and for sure they've looked a little shaky. Is that just because of you know the the grind of the regular season, just you know resting a few guys, like just getting to the finish line before the playoffs start, or is this more of like a serious concern thing that you know you feel like they haven't really properly addressed going into the postseason? Yeah, well, I think definitely some of it uh, we can't get back to how healthy we were in Week One, right? Uh, a big portion of that is Anthony Brown out for season, Jordan Lewis out for season. So I am, no matter what, still concerned about the 49ers cornerbacks. I think Trayvon Diggs 
was okay last week. Uh, it didn't matter because they were up by so much, but he needs to be better, uh, you know, shadowing Ayuk or if Debo actually lines up outside than, than Debo. <laughs> um, but I think uh, the emergence of Duran Bland has has been really good for Dallas. I, I think I joked before that he should be in the defensive rookie of the year conversation. I, I don't actually think he should be, but, um, you know, over the last few weeks, uh, when he's gotten an opportunity, he's been good. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Xavier Rhodes, uh, well, if he plays a little bit more and, and you know, how what his role is, how he fares, um, all of that stuff. But going or just talking about the defense as a whole, I think a lot of it has been health related. Um, having Jonathan Hankins back, uh, having Leighton Vander Esch back last week was huge. Leighton Vander Esch especially um, he was dropping back in pass coverage. He was putting mean hits on receivers who are going down the middle. That's exactly what we need. I think that imposing uh, physicality against SF is something that Dallas needs to do um, for a few different reasons. And and one thing I wanted to call out, as impressive ha- as SF has been the last you know, 10, 11 games, uh, last five, six games with Purdy, if you look at who they've played, uh, I can't go and tell you any of these wins were super impressive. You know, the last impressive win that I would say that I would give the 49ers is probably, you know, maybe against the Chargers back back in November, uh, early November. So um, I'm not going to say that 49ers are overrated or anything. They've been playing pretty bad teams, but they've been destroying them. Uh, you know, they held the Saints to, you know, scoring nothing. Uh, they destroyed Tom Brady. Um, you know, a lot of these games were they just got out of hand in the fourth quarter because of how good their defense is. But Micah Parsons came out and said it, I believe, today. Uh, SF has not played a team like Dallas, I don't think, all season and definitely not recently. So that means Brock Purdy has never played a team like Dallas ever, right? And so I think that combined with the fact that Dallas is finally getting healthy, Leighton Vander Esch and Jonathan Hankins, in my opinion, are the two most important guys for the Dallas defense when it comes to stopping the run. That's huge for going against SF. Of course, Trayvon and then the corners, that matters a lot. But I think, um, and Ani, you kind of touched on it, right? Just with Dallas needing to stop the run. I think the main way that can happen, one is controlling the game and not doing what Dallas did last season in the playoffs, which is get down early. I think it was 23-7 to before Dallas decided to actually wake up and, and play offense. I think if they can control the game, maybe get a lead early, you force Brock Purdy to throw the ball a little bit more, um, you know, just assuming SF can't just like run whenever they want to and and, and kill the clock. Um, but I think, you know, in general, uh, there's so many different storylines, like I mentioned before. I, I think the defense is as healthy as it can be now, just given, you know, people who are, uh, not on season-ending injuries. Pretty much everyone else who is out for a little bit is back. I feel very confident with the defense. I think Micah Parsons has been talking a lot, which shows that he's confident. Hopefully, he backs it up, uh, and I, you know, I think he will. Of course, not easy going against Trent Williams and and the rest of the 49ers' offensive line. But I think controlling the pace of the game combined with the defense being healthy, I do feel like Dallas can, you know, at least stay afloat defensively. They're not going to let. Uh, Purdy throw all over them. McCaffrey, you know, he may rush for over 100 yards, but I think Dallas can still kind of mitigate that by Dak having a good game, by Tony Pollard having a good game. Um, and in general, if Dak and and the Cowboys can get out to an early lead, I feel like there's less pressure on the defense. And so that combined with, you know, 
them being generally healthy right now, I think bodes pretty well for Dallas. Do you see the, the Dallas offense winning with huge chunk plays and just kind of taking the top off this 49ers defense? Or do you think it's slow and methodical? Because that's my one question with how the you know the Cowboys can achieve victory. I can't envision it in my head of the way they're able to, you know, sort of best this 49ers defense, just given what I've seen recently from from their offense, right? So, you know, you watch them a lot closer than I do, obviously. How, how do you see them, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, at least, kind of being able to score and take control of the game? Is it these big chunk plays? Is it slow methodical? Yeah, so I think it definitely has to be a mix of both, right? To start off, I think... Dak has not really shown recently an ability for the game to just start and him to launch a 50-yard bomb to T.Y. Hilton. If that happens, it happens later on in the game. And in the wild card round, you saw it, uh, you know, at the beginning too. The first two Cowboys series, they went three. Now they, I don't think they even gained any positive yards. Um, and then all of a sudden, the third drive, you had a little dump off to Tony Pollard. You got to third down, Dak threw a ball that wasn't that good, but Michael Gallup was able to, you know, jump up and 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 snag it down and thus started the momentum. With that drive, Dallas moved it down uh, pretty slow and methodical until they got to the 22-yard line, and then they had a 22-yard touchdown to, to Dalton Schultz. So I think they are very much a momentum-driven offense. Uh, you know, you need the the slow uh, take what the defense gives kind of plates to establish some kind of rhythm, get the momentum going. And I think that's a lot of, you know, quick throws to CD lamb to start the game off. They, they tried to do that, uh, to open the game in Tampa. Unfortunately, you know, the first two passes were both incomplete intended for CD, but I think they need to try to establish some of that. I think put in Tony Pollard even earlier, uh, I think just starting the game with Zeke, um, he can have a couple runs of one yard or, or negative gains that just kind of kill the momentum of a drive. And I don't think that is conducive to starting the game on a positive foot. So I think dump offs to Tony Pollard, quick throws to CD Gallup um, uh, in Schultz as well, security blanket. I think that's all necessary to open the top for those big chunk plays later on in the game in, in terms of CDs, you know, uh, long crossers, Michael Gallup's uh, curl flats, I think. Those are kind of the the big uh, momentum uh, inducing or just like for the defense backbreaking plays that Dallas is capable of. But I don't think, you know, watching them all season, I don't think they're capable of doing it from the start of a game without establishing some kind of rhythm. And especially against a defense as great as the 49ers, I, I see that continuing to be the case. Before we wrap this segment up, I do want to say, I think with both of these teams matching up, it's it's pretty fitting that it's coming right now because... They both had narrative-busting wins in their opening round. For example, the Niners, you know, anytime you play Seattle in a postseason setting for any NFC team, that is a scary matchup. Like, Seattle in the playoffs is one thing. And, you know, when you're starting a rookie quarterback who hasn't played in a game of that magnitude before, and it's, you know, rainy conditions at Levi's, there's a lot that can go wrong. And we saw with the first half of that game, you know, Seattle took a 17-16 lead. The Niners didn't look like that all-world defense that we'd been watching the entire season. And they just flipped the switch in the second half, made all the necessary adjustments, ran the ball. You know, there was a one play where a Seattle defender twisted Debo's leg. Shanahan got super pissed. And ever since that moment, you know, they just rattled off like 21 unanswered points. And I think that was a great win for the Niners, even though they were heavily favored. And on the other hand, for the Cowboys... Say what you want about Tom Brady and how much of a disadvantage the Bucks really were in this matchup. 
but you still that name means something in the NFL today. And I think for a Cowboys team that we kind of now, and it's not it's not for any reason other than fact, like they just don't make deep runs in the playoffs. Like that was an important win. I think Dallas needed that win to really, you know, silence a lot of doubters and have some momentum heading into this heavyweight clash. These are two of the best, I think, like three teams in the NFL at full strength. And it's it's going to be one hell of a matchup. So final scores, guys. Vishal, what do you think? I, I think I also agree with Ani that this is going to be more of a high-scoring game. It's not going to be like last season. One other tidbit for that is that Dan Quinn has one head coaching interview this week. D'Amico Ryan has four of them. Uh, they both say, of <laughs> course, that they're going to be all right. You know, it's not going to get in the way, but, you know, that is valuable practice time, in my opinion. I it just like thinking about it from my perspective, if I was doing my job and then had four other interviews during the week for another job, I would not do my current job as well. And now I know these guys are professionals, they'll handle it, but I think that is another thing that kind of supports the point that, of course, and, and the offense is coming in pretty explosive. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, a, a more of a high scoring game. I don't think anyone's going to get into the 40s, but ah, man, my score prediction, I would say Dallas 34, uh, SF 28. You homer. You're such a homer. Ani. Oh my got? god! I was just waiting for him to say. I know he was stalling just to you know because he was going to say Dallas. I know he was going to say Dallas. He was just stalling. Um, I think it's been thirty-five, thirty-one, the Forty-Niners. So I think it's be a close game, pretty high scoring. I think you know thirty-five, thirty-one, and Dallas is going to end the game on the field, trying to win a drive. But I I think it's crazy that you guys both are aligned in the fact that it's going to be a high scoring game because I think in the in the playoffs defenses translate like if you have a great all time defense that translates in the playoffs. The offense doesn't necessarily always get there, no matter how many skill guys you have. I think this is going to be some sort of like 25-21 Niners win. I think this is as close, on a neutral field, this is as close to a push as I can imagine between two teams. But, you know, I, I just think the Niners are a wrecking ball right now in terms of they haven't lost in like two and a half months. Like, this is a but team Also, that... like, they, they're kind of like, I mean, like, they're kind of... I was talking to one of my friends as Niners fan. He's like, dude, I kind of wish we lost one of the regular season. Because now it's like, oh, the streak is like in the back of everyone's head. It's like, we haven't lost. Yeah, they're due for one. But I mean, I agree with you, Shree. I mean, the, the line is 46 and a half, or the over-under is 46 and a half. So I think, you know, Vegas stuff thinks it's going to be more of like a 20-something or 20-something type game. Right? That's definitely where like people are betting it too. But I just think like, I, th- I just think it's going to be a shootout. I really think it is. Well, I hope it's a shootout. Yeah. I'd like to amend my score prediction. I said 34-28 before. I'm going to say 34-31 Dallas on a Brett Maher game-winning field goal. Oh, oh redemption that, arc? Think, Brett Maher redemption arc season? I think that's where we need to end this segment. <laughs> I'm not hearing any more of that, man. But yeah, I think that about does it for like the Cowboys Niners segment. We're going to get to some other matchups, but Michelle, thanks so much for being on, man. Like, I hate you. I hate, I hate the fact I hate the fact that you're such a homer, but much yeah, you know, brother. it's uh, it's uh, it could be historic. Could be the first time in my life that Dallas, in during my lifetime, that Dallas gets the NFC Championship game. Uh, obviously, you know, SF is not easy, but we'll see what happens. And yeah, thank you guys for having me on. All right, we got our next matchup. We have the sixth seeded New York Giants taking on the NFC's top seed, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, opening line is Philly minus seven and a half. Uh, feels fair. I think there are 
couple of things to watch here, in my opinion. I think, you know, Jalen Hurts, his health is going to be one of the determining factors in how the Eagles play. Um, late season injuries are always really tricky because no matter how good a regular season you have, you have to take some time to acclimate back to form. And I think with a quarterback like Hurts, who relies so much on mobility, it's an entirely different battle than, you know, like a standstill pocket quarterback, right? So that's going to be one thing. Um, I think the Giants have unlocked Daniel Jones in a way. Like, I, I, I didn't see this coming this season. Did you? Like, it's one of the most remarkable quarterback turnaround stories I think I've ever seen. For four years. I, I did see it coming because I wanted to dabble as our head coach because I knew how good he was. Like, it's, it's all scheme, dude. Like, I mean, not to say it's all scheme. Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. But the situations they're putting him in is like reminiscent of Brock Purdy. That's the reason why Brock Purdy's having success in SF, right? It's purely because like, like, and you have Saquon, you know, and the receivers are doing a good job. They're not big names and they're not super fast, but they're doing what they need to do. And they're doing a really good job in general of doing what the scheme dictates. He has a lot of options. Dabble's really turning Daniel Dimes into like something that can be like something potentially make a deep playoff run. He's very accurate right now. And I think that's because they're only giving him certain options. They're not making him make the tough throws, right? They're like giving him things that he can take easily. And I think that's like really based on scheme. And that's why I think Dabble is like a potential head coach of the year candidate. I know there's a lot, obviously, right? There's Sirianni, there's Shanahan, right? And there's Dabble. But I think of all of them, like no discredit to Danny Dimes, but also a lot of discredit to Danny Dimes. Like, but he's like... As of right now, he played like the second best quarterback game in the playoffs, I would say, of like the wild card round. He was one that like he played really well. And, you know, gotta credit Shanahan to that. So or not Shanahan, dabble to that. Sorry. I think so. part of that also has to do with the Vikings just absolutely garbage defense. Like Oh, they, uh, for sure. <laughs> they were bot I think they were one of the like a bottom five DVOA team in the league this season. Yeah, and it didn't it didn't help that they were playing the Vikings, but I think if you look at the previous matchups too, like when they're when they're playing well, when they're winning, yeah, but the Eagles defense is a different beast. I think of, of all the games, I would like, if there's one game you told me on, you can watch this, it would be this one. I agree, but I think it's a bit trickier than people think uh, because of the Hurts injury. But I also think that this team is so multifaceted. I think this is the best roster in the NFL by far. I think this is the best team in the NFL by far. I think it's not even close. And I think if you really had to, Sirianni could coach a game where Hurts just stays in the pocket and doesn't run that much, and he could have a very successful game. This Giants defense isn't great in my. It's a it's a good defense, solid. They're they're good, man. The Giants defense they're, is good. They're not they're not that good. They're not like Niners Cowboys level good. I'm not yeah. saying that, but I think, no, but I like, think I think Hurts and they have the weapons right, and they have two bona fide star wide receivers. They have the weapons where Hurts doesn't have to run and he could still win the game buy it like i think at least eight like i think if you take minus seven and a half and hurts like seriana size hurts isn't gonna run because he's like too injured or like he's scared i think they could still win by 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 seven plus so i think the coolest thing about this giants team compared to you know first of all to preface every giants team that makes a run in the playoffs feels like a cinderella story no matter how good they actually are whether they win the damn super bowl or not every giants team just you know 10 percent doesn't feel like they belong in the playoffs but with this team, they're not built like those Cinderella Giants teams of the past. Those teams relied heavily on Eli Manning, Mario Manningham, you know, Victor Cruz, all of these like elite wide receiver threats and a quarterback who you knew 
he had to throw the ball like 40 times for them to win a game. The ground game here is a big, yeah. It's a big plus for them, right? And like that also stems from their quarterback play. Like Daniel Jones is not afraid to, you know, take some hits. He's not afraid to like make plays with his feet. And on top of that, you have a top five running back in Saquon Barkley, who's just always between the trenches, makes those tough runs, picks up three, four yards. He may not always have the most glorious Derrick Henry level statistical outputs, but when you need a big play, like he won't make it. And I think it's really good that he's fully back from injury this season. The Giants offensive line has overperformed any sort of expectations they had entering the season. And I think it'll be a fun game. I don't think the Giants will win. To be clear, I think the Eagles are far and away the more talented roster, like you said. Better receivers, better quarterback, slightly better defense. But for a team in the Giants that are starting as many rookies as they are, have, you know, like Kayvon Thibodeau, like one of their best playmakers, rookie. Like, I think they've already had a successful season. So whatever they do in this game is just house money, which is why I think there's always that element of surprise. No, this is not the Giants' year, and the best, like, that's not, it's a compliment for them, right? They shouldn't have been here, but they are here. That's why I think Dabble should be coach of the year, right? And I honestly think it's going to be a, a decently close. It's not going to be a blowout. I think it'll be like 28-20, something like that. But I'm really excited to see where this team's going to go, and that division is going to be, you know, pretty tough, at least with, you know, how good the Eagles are, and the Giants obviously look really, really good as well. It's going to be, I think, with those two at the top of the division, I mean, and you also have the Cowboys as well, right? And they're always going to be there. It's going to be a tough division. I mean, I'm not giving any credit to the Commanders because they deserve none. Um, but it's going to be a tough division, and you know, for the future. I think one thing that you know people are saying, it's the third time this team has played. You know, these teams have played against each other because they're divisional opponents, right? Just like you know the Seahawks versus the Niners, there is that uh, you know hidden factor of this is the third time we're seeing these guys. This is the like you know we see these guys two times a year, every single year. We know them. Granted, it is a bit of a different team compared to, you know, the previous years, but, you know, those two matchups will help, right? It's not like, you know, Cowboys and 49ers, like, it's not like they play each other two times already, right? Same thing with, like, Jaguars Chiefs, they only play each other once. So it's like a bit of a different different feel because it's a it's a divisional matchup in the playoffs. But I think it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with the Giants, not this year, but the coming years, because I think they have a really, really underrated squad, right? And I think if they could just put together some more pieces on their defense, right? And maybe get some better wide receivers. I think they could really make a deep run. But coaching, it's all there. I wouldn't count it out if they're, if they're good. I'm not going to say there's no chance they're going to win. But I think the Eagles are really strong. Just there's a very, They're a very strong team overall, right? They're probably the, like, the most well-rounded team in the playoffs. So I'd be very surprised if they were to lose this one. We can never say there's no chance for a team to win, right? Like we saw, you know, the Chargers... 27-0. That brings me to our, our next matchup. We're going to switch over to the AFC. Um, Jaguars and Chiefs, right? So The Jaguars is, are a good team. The Jaguars they are, are a good team. They are a good team, but this is a battle of two teams. One that has logic on its side, the other that has culture. Jags are all culture. And vibes. They got vibes are culture important. Culture and vibes are strong with this team. <laughs> Duval, um, bro. Duval. I, I, I was hammered last weekend while this game was going on, and... At the bar I was at, like, all the TVs had this game on. And it was 27-zip at halftime. We were like, I got fuck, 
this game. Like, you know, none of these teams are like. No, and you, know, you were texting me. Chargers, no, do, like, and and you were texting me, and I replied back. I was like, listen, I even tweeted it at halftime. I specifically tweeted the tweet was, "Don't worry, everyone. The Chargers will lose this lead. We will choke, and the game will say, be like, interesting just, again." The choke starts now after one score, twenty-seven-seven. Yeah. Seven, still a comfortable lead. Okay, in the but half. I was I was Nostradamus, Nostradamus, whatever however you say. I Nostradamus. Was, yeah, I was Nostradamus saying like I was I was I was in my bag on Saturday. Everything I was saying was coming true. I even I asked my friend. I was like, "Hey, like, what's the line right now on the Jaguars?" Like at halftime, when it was twenty-seven zero, he was like, "Oh, it's like plus fourteen hundred. I was like, "I kind of want to bet on this." And he was like, "Dude, as your friend, I highly recommend you don't waste your money." Well, look what happened, dude. Look what happened. You should have done it, man. I should have. No, I, I even called it. I I asked him. I was very specific. But no, I think, that's the thing. You gotta bet. On your team's happiness, right? So if you know your team is gonna win, bet. Like, like obviously you bet your team if you think they're gonna win. But if you no, know, I never think the Chargers gonna are gonna lose. Win. No, that's what I'm saying. So if you don't think your team is gonna win, bet the other team because then yeah. you win all their money. Anyways. Listen, man. If I was in a different state, if I wasn't in California, I'd be a millionaire right now. <laughs> Betting against the Chargers every single time we had a lead. No, but I think uh, you know about that game. I want to give a lot of credit to the Jags. I think. They played a really good second half, right? I think Doug Peterson really came out firing. And I think Trevor Lawrence is, you know, super underrated. He had, I mean, those interceptions, partially his fault, partially wasn't. But the poise, the confidence to come back. I think this game will be a lot closer than people think. The line is minus nine. Or minus eight and a half or minus nine and a half, whatever it is. But I would take, I would, I would take like, the Jags plus nine, like you would. Yeah, I think it's. I don't think the Chiefs are going to win by more than nine points. Kansas City is so different than the LA Chargers, man. No, I just think this Jags team is good. I, I, okay, like if the if the Chargers were, Chargers were playing the Chiefs, like like I would not be confident in like the tra- the Chiefs' ability to stop the Chargers. It'd be the Chargers shooting themselves in the foot, which happened both times we played the Chiefs this like this year, right? Like, both those games, it was the Chargers that shot themselves in the foot. I mean, one of them was the Herbert injury. You know, I you know that game's kind of a fluky game, whatever. But, I mean, even the other game, it was like the Chargers consistently when they play the Chiefs. And I think this, the Chiefs don't have the ability to generate turnovers. They don't have the ability to, like, actually make stops. I think it's really the other teams shooting themselves in the foot that allow the Chiefs to, like, get a grip in the game. And only once the Chiefs have a big lead, then the turnovers come. I think if it's a close game, like, I think the Jaguars will be in this for sure. I think it's an entirely different beast when you got to go to Kansas City and play a playoff game versus. Home Dude, State. did you hear Trevor Lawrence? Kansas City's no big deal. Okay, it's not like it's loud in there at all. According to Trevor, he's gonna Lawrence. lose. His no, actually, the funniest thing. The, okay, I I read the full quote. He gave so much respect to them, and like the, like he didn't even like the one line he had was taken so out of context and just used to rile up Chiefs fans. It's gonna be crazy in there. I, I'm not saying the Chiefs are gonna lose. I think it'll be a lot closer than people think it is. I think it'll be like a one-score game. I think it'll be like a field goal or like a six-point game. I don't think it'll be like a, a blowout. That's just my feeling. It's the first game too, so let's see. This will this will start the trend of whether I'm right or not. But I think one of the coolest things from last week's game, though, that at least gives you some sort of hope for the Jags is that Lawrence didn't lose his composure. You throw four interceptions and a half... First of all, Nate, that's like Nathan Peterman type stuff. Like 
we don't see that happen to star quarterbacks. I'm actually kind of sad he didn't get benched, but... No, I there there was no way Doug Peterson's benching him. He's not that type of coach. Like he's the yeah. type of coach who's gonna ride his guys and show trust in them, and that yep. matters, right? If if he got benched, he would have won. So, I know, but you know he's he kept it together. Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram were huge in that game, making monstrous catches, like like cornerbacks draped on them making catches, that type of stuff. Um, that's huge for a young quarterback. And going into Kansas City is gonna be really tough. Don't think the Jags are going to win this game. They've been a great story. Kansas City, we all the questions that we had for them after losing Tyreek Hill in the offseason, after having a quote unquote lack of offensive like weaponry, all of that gone. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is back to playing at or not even back. He's been playing at an MVP level. Silence. He's going to win the MVP doubters. this year. Yeah. He's going to win. Yeah, which is un. I think if Hurts didn't get injured, at least there would be a discussion about it. But now it just it feels like a runaway favorite MVP award. I mean, yeah, he has like 5,300 5, passing yards, like forty one touchdowns, like, and yeah. they are like the number one seed. So he is the Steph Curry of the NFL. I'm forever going to maintain that. It kind of sucks that both the number one seeds are playing on Saturday. I don't like that, but yeah. So we both think the Chiefs are going to win this game. What's your score prediction? Like what? Um, also, we didn't give a score prediction for the last game. I or maybe I did. We did. I think it's going to be, first for the Eagles-Giants game, I think it's going to be Eagles 27, Giants like 17. Okay. And then I think for Chiefs-Jags, I think it's going to be some 31-14 type of game. I think ja- Jacksonville's been a nice story. I-, I think this is going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be like 31-27. That's way too close. Watch out. I think it's going to be 31-27. Yeah, it's like two field goals, three touchdowns, yeah. Well, we will see. Um, this brings us to our last matchup, and I think it's essentially a Super Bowl matchup. The spiciest one. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. This is, wait, this is I, neutral site, right? I actually, no, 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 this is this is in, in Buffalo. Or no, this is in Buffalo. Yeah. I actually hate this matchup in the sense that, like, it's just like I think the Bengals might win. But then, like, the Bills just have, like, everything on their side. Like, there's a lot of narratives that support the Bills. Like, the the owner's wife, or I guess she's also part owner, right? Kim Pegula. Like, she had an illness, right? There's the Buffalo Blizzard. There was, like, a, a couple scandals that happened and stuff. And then, obviously, DeMar Hamlin. Like, this team just has so much going for it, like, narrative-wise, behind them. It kind of feels like yeah. this is their year to win the Super Bowl. And especially like type of stuff. Exactly. And I hate it. But also like you have Joe Burrow, who's like, like, I think the most clutch human on earth, like actually, like when the lights go on, this guy's so clutch. So I don't even the Bengals have an underrated defense, right? Their offense is really good. And I think watching last week's game did not give me any confidence in the Bills, right? Josh Allen made way too many force mistakes early in the game. It's the same script that happens, but I think this time you're not playing against Skylar Thompson. You're playing against Joey Ice, right? So we're we're also talking about a Bengals team that if Tyler Huntley didn't reach over the pylon and actually QB snuck like a normal person, we're looking at a Ravens team that could have upset Cincinnati at Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that, but it's the playoffs now, so it's different. It's not the regular season. Well, I think both of these teams pulled games out of their asses, and they're both lucky that they won those respective games, right? Yeah. We, we knew they were going to win, but we didn't think they'd win in the way that they did. So I don't think it was very encouraging for either of those teams in the wildcard round. Now, 
I think the biggest problem for Cincinnati and why I think Buffalo is going to win is that you guys, you have guys on the Bills D line like Matt Milano, Tremaine Edwards, against an O line that while it's been better this year, it's improved, has but it's very not shaky. Good. It's, <laughs> it's not, not good. good. Yeah, they they've gone from very bad to not as bad. They haven't gone to that good. Which level is like yet. it's like there, there was only one weakness with this team last year, and it was their O line. And the fact that they have not improved it to like the level that other teams have improved it infuriates me, because like it's like classic. Okay, I was talking to someone about serious and unserious organizations in the NFL, and someone was like, "What about the Bengals?" I was like, "They used to be unserious for sure, right? Now they're semi-serious, but still the fact that they can't put together a competent offensive line." kind of makes them like it like it's their one missing piece and they couldn't invest in it at all like i get they, they had some things that missed and they had some injuries but like i don't know it, it would shouldn't have been that hard i would just throw money like joe burrow's here's like the, here's the thing with o-lines they take time to come together like you can if you got like eight of the top guards no but they've had three years everything they've had three joe, joe burrow got injured well, well, in 2020 they haven't, had, they haven't had three years like they no, picked up joe so burrow got injured this is this Joe Burrow got injured in 2020. Like, once that happened, they should have been like, wow, we should really... Get... They had two off-seasons, if not three, to make improvements. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just think it's like, like at least with the Chargers, like, they have a good offensive line, and they have a lot of injuries, you know, with, like, Slater getting injured, but, like, they have a lot of talent. Like, you can see the, the vision, right? Because mm-hmm. you yeah. have a young quarterback, you need to protect him, right? Look at the Eagles. They have Jason Kelsey as, like, their starting center, who's, like, 55 million years old. But, like, they have one of the best offensive lines in the league, right? And even Dallas, like, their offensive line isn't bad at all. Like, it used to be yeah. really good, and then it kind of went to shit a little bit. But now it's like, you know, like, the fact that McGovern can step in and replace Jason Peters, I think is really good. I just think the Bengals are the one team in the playoffs that have, like, had... Even the Giants have a decent offensive line. I think also with the Bengals, another problem is that any of their good remaining O-line players are also banged up. Like Jonah Williams was hurt in the game against the Ravens. Don't yeah. know if he's going to play this weekend. Let me check. But, yeah, I don't know what the injury report on him was, but the Bengals are banged up, man. I think that's the reason why I take Buffalo along with all this other narrative stuff. Like just the on-field teams, I think Buffalo matches up well against Cincinnati from an offense-defense standpoint. And, and like, look, Leo Collins is, is is injured as well. You know, there's just, yeah. I mean, this okay. This team doesn't have a terrible offensive line, but just like injuries, whatnot. It's hard for me to like. Okay, I think the Bengals are gonna win. I would say the Bengals are gonna win if like that is my feeling. But I don't think they're gonna make the Super Bowl. But I, I think, think they're gonna win this game. I think it's gonna be one of the closest games of the weekend. I think it's gonna be like. The line's minus 5.5, which I think is crazy. Yeah. I think it should be significantly it's minus closer. Four. I think it's minus 4 now. Okay, well, wherever I'm seeing these odds are terrible. Where are you seeing the odds? Let me actually check. I was checking FanDuel's lines. Uh, FanDuel, Buffalo, Cincy. Let me check. Hmm. Um. Yeah, MGM is minus 4.5. Yeah, minus four and a half. I guess it opened up minus four. I kind of. I, I think they're, they're I think the, the Bengals. Home. I think the Bengals are gonna win by like at least a field goal. I think it's gonna be like 
Well, here's another thing. McPherson has been shaky all season. Like, Listen, for a guy who I thought was going to be the next, next, like, Justin Tucker after last season, he has looked first off, bad this If season. we've learned anything, the only time a player like Justin Tucker can come into the NFL is if they're from UT Austin, right? They went to Texas, mm-hmm. and that's why Cameron Dicker is your new to Justin Tucker, even though he missed a field goal. We don't talk about that. It wasn't his fault. It wouldn't have made a difference. We're still going to lose anyways. Whatever. Okay. Well, it would have made a difference. No, they, trust me. They would have scored a touchdown instead of like. There was no way we were going to win that game. No matter what happened, we were going to lose that game. It did not matter that he missed that field goal. But Dicker the kicker. McPherson has looked a bit shaky as of late, but you know, I think it doesn't matter. I think he's going to make. I think he's going to be ice. I think the whole someone, Bengals team as, has ice in their veins. Listen, as someone who had McPherson on one of his fantasy teams that could have made the finals, he was not who I Listen, thought he was going to be. He the Bengals, like the Bengals, the Bengals have an outdoor practice facility. Do you know what that means? It means they're hardened. Okay, it means they have ice in their veins. It means they're ready for anything. Okay, the like they, they people complain they should build an indoor practice. No, they shouldn't. They should keep an outdoor practice facility. Because they're I would just, just like to point out, Cincinnati almost lost to the Raiders in Wild Card Weekend last year. Yeah, and they didn't, and they made the Super Bowl instead. So, uh, we all know how that turned out. By the way, how's uh, how's your quarterback hunt going? Who do you think you're going to? I'm on the Rodgers train, man. Bring him here. Send his unvaxxed MVP winning self. Bring him, bring him on over to Vegas, man. Yeah, all he's going to do is win an MVP, not a Super Bowl. Hey, reunite him with Devontae. Give him Waller. Give him Renfro. That's, a, first of all, a better receiving core than he's had in Green Bay probably ever. Is Jacobs going to leave for sure? Well, if Rodgers comes, I don't think Jacobs would leave. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, I have a bad feeling that we're not going to get Rodgers. Jacobs is going to leave. We're going to end up with some... First of all, all these Tom Brady rumors, I don't want Tom Brady. Honestly, I'd rather have Derek Carr than Tom Brady at this point. I, what, about scared, what about no, Jared What about Jared Here's, here's He's not that bad. He, we have a roster ready to compete. We should not have had the record we did this season. I think there's a lot of stuff that was reported today about how Carr didn't like the way McDaniels called him out in film sessions. Like, no other coach had called him out the way McDaniels well, did. Well, was, there was stuff reported today about how McDaniels didn't like the fact that Jim Ursay went to the bathroom for an hour. And, like, like that's the reason he didn't coach the Colts. I don't know. There's just been a lot of stuff reported today that I wouldn't necessarily take as gospel, but... Daniels is a little bit of a weirdo, man. I'm not sure how. Very I clearly, I think he needs a Billy B to keep him in check. Speaking of Billy B, it looks like Billy O'Brien's going to be heading to the Patriots, if the rumor mills are correct, as their new offensive coordinator. So, that is interesting to say the least. But, anyways, you want to give your predictions for this game because I gave mine. So, I told you, I think it's going to be like Cincinnati 28. Buffalo. Oh no! What a sorry. Buffalo twenty-eight, Cincinnati twenty-seven, something like that. Twenty-seven. One-point game. Yeah, it's gonna be Ooh, close. Spicy. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it. What do you think? I already gave my number. I totally forgot so, what it was though. Um, thirty-four, thirty-one, or something like that. It was like they're gonna win on a field goal. Oh, you said you said since he's gonna win by at least a field goal, right? Yeah, I said since he's gonna win. Since he's gonna win, thirty-four, thirty-one. Locking that in. Well, well, that does it. I guess if you listen to us as our gospel, you already know who's going to be in the conference championship games. But, you know, as we know, we know nothing about football. Hold Nobody on, knows hold anything on. about football. I know I know a lot of stuff about the Chargers, okay? That's all I have to say. You know a lot about losing 27-0 leads. Yeah, I know. If, if you're losing 27-0, I'm your guy. But anything else, I'm not your guy. 
real quick on the Warriors Celtics game today. I thought this was a very encouraging game for the Warriors. Like only only you were, would see this loss as encouraging. It's all I have. No one listen, else sees this loss as encouraging. It's all I have to no, say. No, no, no. Listen, like for a team that's lost multiple times to Detroit this season, games to Charlotte, games to Orlando, like they just don't show up with the effort required to beat an like any given NBA team on a night. Like I understand coasting through the regular season. And, you know, saving it for the playoffs. This team has a switch, which we clearly saw today. Like, when they really want to compete, they will Yeah, and then they just turn it off in the the fourth quarter, right? It wasn't a matter of turning it off. Like, when a game gets... No, I know. Okay, look. And over time, like, like the Celtics hit literally every single shot. They hit, like, three threes in a row. I'm not not saying... Al Horford played like God reincarnated today. Like, those those types of things are... After after this game, he's my new MVP candidate, for sure. That, remember after like two games in the finals, those MVP ladders <laughs> yeah. putting Horford at one? Unbelievable, uh, man. I think for like, two things, Boston's a hell of a team. I think even with all this coaching turmoil from the offseason, like little roster reconstruction, they hit with Malcolm Brogdon. Like that dude is unbelievable off of their bench. And, you know, Tatum had a bad shooting game, but his impact was there. And last season, when he didn't have great shooting games, he didn't have much of an impact. And that was like evident in some of those finals games. So, And I guess like in, in this game, even when Jalen Brown had a pretty bad shooting night until the fourth quarter, they were mm. still able to have enough role players on their team to still be competitive. Yep. And, you know, once he found his rhythm, like you can't have like two of your top three guys like not in rhythm. Of course, you're going to lose. And when sort of, you know, Jalen Brown came into his own, that's when the fourth quarter run started, right? So, yeah. Yeah. But I think today was nice because Golden State played like a team that owned the Celtics for sure. the majority of this game. Sure, and, sure, sure, you know, sure. S- starting pool, I think Kerr's said he's going to do that more to provide a spark. That, so that was interesting. I really like that. Yeah, that was interesting. small ball against small ball. So, yeah. you know, encouraging loss. I think we have, we have a tough six games coming up, but I think this is the start of something good for the second half of the season. I think that about does it for today, though. What else? Do you have anything? Tennis. Nadal lost. That's kind of sad. Did you see Andy Murray? Yeah, dude. <laughs> Did you see that? My guy is going off right now. I woke up at like 7 a.m. like Pacific time like I usually do. And the game was still going on. I was like, what is this? Five setter, boy. For the, I know. For the culture. I know. The Jags for the culture. and Andy Murray. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's basically like, <laughs> if he plays another five set match and wins it, I think like his hip might just explode. Like, if he wins the Australian Open, he's not going to win the time. Australian Open. He's, no one's going to be Djokovic. Let's let's be a little bit realistic here. I, like, I would I would hope I would listen. I would hope more than anyone, but I don't think it's going to happen. And if there's anyone I'd want to win, it's probably Andy Murray. Well, for sure, for sure. If anybody in the in the field right now, I hundred percent agree. You know how everyone like each one of the big four has their like signature, their like Feds is Wimbledon. Nadal's is French Open. Djokovic like kind of does everything. No, but Djokovic but... Australian Open. He has ten Australian Opens, does he not? Yeah, I think he has ten Australian Opens. I feel like Murray's Murray's had success at the Australian Open. No, he has nine Australian Open titles. He he has the most Australian Open titles by by far. So mm. Australian Open is his is his for sure. You know, Andy Murray didn't get a bathroom break after the fourth set today. I know he was really mad, and he was also like, "It's not only me. Like the ball, the ball children, um, like the umpires, the line, the lines people, um, like they're all not getting bathroom breaks either." And it's like a five-hour, forty-five-minute match. Like, 
it's kind of criminal to be honest but you know we'll see there's there's some good games i mean city Center in the fourth round that'll be good um yeah there's a you lot know he's of... lost in five australian open finals who murray he's lost to Federer, djokovic 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 yeah i mean djokovic is inevitable but yes curious curious actually had a really good clip which i liked when somebody asked him about like who's your goat he's like when it's all said and done i think djokovic will be the goat but i think that the impact federer had there is no djokovic there is none at all without the impact federer had on tennis and like bringing the eyeballs to the sport like djokovic might have the most wins and the most titles but like i think the goat itself will be you know and i think that's like an interesting way of thinking about it because you could have the same parallel for like a lebron versus mj we're like, yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, like LeBron might have like all the stats minus titles, but like more MVPs, more points, more rebounds, more assists, like statistically a better player. But like, you know, Michael Jordan was the one that brought the eyeballs to the sport in the 90s. And that really catapulted basketball's rise across the world. And for that, you know, culturally on an, an impact level, that's why, you know, he could be your go. I think it's a fascinating argument because I don't think you see that a lot in, in football, right? Because in football, people like, you know, Tom Brady's longevity, but also his success. Mm-hmm. kind of allow that to happen i don't think in baseball you see the argument either but it's kind of interesting the parallels between you know tennis and basketball but yeah and i think like with lebron obviously like his impact goes beyond basketball like we know that like yeah we, Le- lebron's been one of the most influential figures of the 21st century but we of course like yeah jordan revolutionized the sport in a way that not many will do and i think it's like similar you know like guys like ai who were never going to put ai in a goat discussion but what he did culturally for basketball was beyond what like 99.99 percent of anyone who's been in the nba has done so everyone just has their opinion and it's, i think it's pointless to debate goats everyone can have their own goat i agree but with that goat debate i think we have to wrap it up now we're almost reaching an hour so thank you for listening once again we're trying to do these more regularly you know hopefully we'll do these as the playoffs continue and you know a lot of sports ahead of us, NBA, NHL, Australian Open, you know, Formula One season starting soon-ish. Um, when are we going to talk about hockey? Like 2025? Never. I did I did go to my first hockey game ever, though, this year. So or like First this... ever? No, dude, we've been to a Sharks game. No, I've never been to a Have Sharks we... game. You've never been to a Sharks game? I've been to the Sharks stadium, but I've never been to a Sharks game. No. Yeah, so I went to the, I went to the Kraken game against the Rangers at Climate Pledge Arena. Oh, won, how was that? They won their first ever overtime game as a franchise, so that was pretty sick. Uh, uh, you know, they're they're really good this year. Yeah, I mean, they had, like, I mean, they've had a lot of quality wins. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it, hockey's, watching hockey in real life is kind of, it's like the most interesting sport. Because I feel like during play for every other sport, there's like something going on. Like basketball, like the announcer will play some beat or something. In football, like the most of the, most of the time you're not playing. There's some sounds going on. Same thing with baseball. But with hockey, yeah. most of the time you are playing. And when you're playing, there's no sounds at all. It's completely silent. All you hear are yeah. the skates and the pucks. And it's fascinating. So interesting. Interesting sport to watch in real life. But yeah. I need to, I need to go to a Penguins game, man. Yeah. The pe- I need to see Sidney Crosby. The stadium isn't that far away from you, huh? No, it's like. 12 minute drive yeah you gotta go i like the sharks is like an hour away from me so i have an excuse not to go you have no excuse not to go (laughs) no i'm gonna go soon how about this listeners we'll 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 start a gofundme for a college student shri and uh you know let's send into his first penguins game yeah support the pod support me support my bank account we'll catch you guys later peace